0: You are Locked On Packers, your daily podcast on the Green Bay Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are Locked On Packers. Hello, this is Bill Huber, the publisher of PackerReport.com, part of the Scout.com Network, which brings some of the best NFL and college football coverage that you will find anywhere. And it's Matchups Thursday, as we get you ready for Sunday's playoff game between the Green Bay Packers and the Dallas Cowboys at AT AT&T Stadium. But before we dive into that, I would like to remind you to check out the rest of the great Lockdown Podcast Network, which includes Lockdown NFL, Lockdown NFL Draft, and Lockdown Cowboys, which will help you get you ready for Sunday. And speaking of Lockdown Cowboys, I will be recording our Behind Enemy Lines podcast later today, and that will be posted for Friday morning. And also, of course, check out my work over at PackerReport.com, home of the world's best preview, and Packer Report members receive 10% discounts on gear through Fanatics, and new or renewing members get one year of Sports Illustrated. Alright, let's dive into it. First down, and that's when the Packers have the ball against that Cowboys defense. And of course, Green Bay's offense runs through quarterback Aaron Rodgers. In their 7-game winning streak, he's completed almost 70% of his passes for a little over 2,000 yards, 19 touchdowns, no interceptions, a pass rating of merely 121.7. And as odd as this might seem to say for a guy who won two MVP awards and owns the best single season passer rating in NFL history, this might be his best touch of football ever. You know, to, to, a considering it was Packers had to win these games; I mean, they, their margin for error was gone. And the efficiency, I mean, he's gone; he's almost gone three hundred passes now without an interception. And I would say he's probably gone about three hundred passes without being close to an interception. His Decision making's been impeccable, so he's not and it's not just the interceptions either, and I'll be getting into this, getting into this in the in the world's best preview, but I mean, he's not fumbling either. You go back to that game against Dallas in week six. Riders fumbled twice. Also threw an interception in that game too, but fumbled twice, and he's basically eliminated, eliminated that part of his game. And with Riders on a roll, Green Bay has scored thirty consecutive or thirty points in a row. Five consecutive games. Of course, can they do that without Jordy Nelson? Who Ryder said he's hopeful that Nelson's gonna play. And Ryder said that Nelson is hopeful that Nelson can play. And McCarthy is hopeful that Nelson can play. But it, it to me this just seems like a bit of gamesmanship. You know, there's no point in ruling out Nelson ruling out Nelson now and making Dallas's film study any easier. But I just I just can't imagine a guy with, a reported two broken ribs and you know maybe, maybe there's other things going on inside of him who knows but, I I can't imagine that he's going to play, and that makes it I mean it just makes life so much easier for Dallas secondary right you know it's it's the trickle down effect you know let's say Morris Claiborne would take Jordy Nelson well now Morris Claiborne takes Devontae Adams and that puts Brandon Carr who would have been on Adams that puts him on Geronimo Allison it's it just you know. Dallas has their cornerbacks back. You know, Claiborne, we'll get into this in a bit. Claiborne missed some time. He's back, and now instead of, you know, maybe a matchup against Nelson, it's it's Adams, and so it just kind of trickles down where you're, you're facing a, a receiver who's not quite as good as the guy that you would have faced regularly. So can Nelson, so can Riders get it going? I mean, he certainly did against the Giants, right? Devontae Adams, a huge game. Randall Cobb, a huge game. Now, it's against a secondary with three all pros. Now, Dallas doesn't have that. They do not have a great secondary. And you look at their pass defense numbers, opponents have a completion percentage of 67.1%, a pass rating of 94.1. I mean, those are are toward the bottom of the league. But then at the end of the day, you look at the points, and their (laughs) average, they're giving up less than 20 points a game. 19.1%, to be exact. That ranks. That ranks fifth in the NFL. It is with defense, coordinator Rod Marinelli. It is bend but don't break. He's not going to blitz much. He's going to give you some things, but at the end of the day, he's pretty confident that his guys are going to make you screw up, or you're going to screw up yourself. You're going to get a, you know, he'll, you know, he'll get a sack, or you'll get a holding call, or maybe your guys will drop a pass, or you'll miss a block. On a running play, and you get you behind the sticks. At some point, you're going to screw up, or his guys are going to make a play, and a driver you got, you know, two or three first downs, thirty or forty yards, and ends, ultimately ends up dying. Is this, this is a when, they, when Green Bay played the Cowboys back in, in the fourteen playoffs? I think Dallas was twelve and four that year. They called their defense the Me Fence because there was, or you know, it was the Team Fence because it was a, just a god awful weak nickname. And they named it that because they didn't have any singular talents. It was it was all about the team and and the, the uh the whole being greater than some of their parts. Well that that's that's this Dallas defense here, too. They've intercepted nine passes, eight guys with nine interceptions. The only guy with more than one is safety Barry Church. They've got thirty-six sacks by 14 players, their best pass rusher, Benson Mayoa with six. Uh, Demarcus Lawrence who had eight last year um I believe a second round pick a couple years ago he's only got one this year he missed three games with a back injury that's ultimately going to end probably end up needing surgery so they get sacks from a lot of guys they get turnovers from a lot of guys and that's uh that, that's the that's the challenge here the one real standout here at least among their front seven guys oh they got they got a couple but let us let's, let's start we'll, we'll stick with the d line since we started there David Irving, he's listed as a backup. He started two games this year. Six foot seven, two hundred and eighty-five pounds. If you go back to that week six game against the Packers, he forced two fumbles. He's got four for the season. According to the Cowboys' own stats, he has a team-high 26 pressures. Interestingly, they took Irving off of the Chiefs' practice squad. And Mayo was a restricted free agent, so you know. Dallas got two of their better D linemen on kind of some unorthodox roster-building methods. So, kudos to them for doing that. Linebacker Sean Lee is the guy on this defense. Injuries have been destroyed throughout his career. Not this year, played all 16 games. According to the Cowboys' own stats, a career-high 174 tackles, along with 12 tackles for losses. First-team All-Pro. Linebacker Anthony Hitchens added 104 tackles. Um, Getting back to the D-line for a second. They use all their guys. They they have nine guys on the roster and they will use them all. They had ten until Randy Greger got himself suspended for the third time in his career. So they're down to just nine guys on the D-line and they will use them all and they they all make an impact. Of course, the secondary here is is the key because look, Green Bay is a passing team and they're going to come out chucking it. Really good group. Corner Morris, Claiborne. Was turning into a real lockdown guy. I think he had a concussion about halfway through the first game against Green Bay. Then missed nine games with a groin injury. He's back um, after after that after their bye last week. So he's he'll be back in the lineup. Uh, veteran Brandon Carr did pretty well as the number one guy in Claiborne's play. So it's Claiborne and Carr as the starters. Veteran Orlando Scandrick will be in the slot. And when Green Bay goes, if Green Bay goes to four wides. They will either go with Anthony Brown, a rookie from Purdue, has had a really good year. I remember I thought Brown was in the slot against Green Bay that first matchup. Skandrick was hurt. Brown was in the slot. And I thought that was a matchup Green Bay had to win. Cobb against Brown. Well, Green Bay didn't win that matchup. Brown played very well in that game, and he'll probably figure into this game too. Otherwise they put Byron Jones, their starting safety. They put him into the slot as that, you know, as their dime defensive back and bring JJ Wilcox in. The others, regardless the, so again, just the review, Claiborne and Carr start, Skandrick is the nickel, and the safety is Barry Church and Byron Jones. Both those guys have 100-plus tackles. So those a really good secondary, and that's going to test a bit of a watered-down Packers receiver core. AT&T Stadium holds about 90,000 people. There's probably room for a few of you, I would think. you want to go? Well, I'll tell you how to get there. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to find tickets for the football games you want to see up close and in person this season. There's nothing like being in the stadium for the biggest plays of the playoffs, and with SeatGeek, it's never been easier to get the guaranteed seats you want for a great value. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and it's by far the easiest way i found to shop for tickets. I can be anywhere with just a few taps. I can instantly find seats for the Packers-Cowboys, the Badgers, or really any other game this season. With SeatGeek, You always get the best deal on every ticket because SeatGeek price compares for you by searching multiple ticket sites. Prices can vary depending on where you shop, but SeatGeek will always find you the lowest available price. And SeatGeek wants to help you get the most bang for your buck. That's why every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value. You'll immediately see any underpriced seats and be able to find the best deals that fit your budget. Plus, every ticket you buy on SeatGeek is backed by their 100% guarantee, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. And best of all, my listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. To get your $20 rebate on tickets, first, download the SeatGeek app. Two, go to the Settings tab and click Add a Promo Code, then enter promo code LOPACKERS. That's L for locked, O for on, Packers. L-O-PACKERS. Then SeatGeek will send you $20 after you made your first ticket purchase. So download the SeatGeek right now. Well, not right now. Maybe in like twenty minutes. Then enter the promo code LOPackers today. All right, second down, and that's when Dallas has the ball. I remember those great Packers Cowboys games back in that. Well, maybe they weren't great if you're a Packers fan, and you got disappointed. But it was one of the NFL's great rivalries. Packers Cowboys, you know, Green Bay with Favre, and they're on the rise. But Dallas had Troy Aikman. They had Emmitt Smith. They had Michael Irvin. They had that great offensive line. And the Cowboys won basically every time the turn back Favre company. Well, here we, are, here we are again. Green Bay had Dallas in the playoffs just like the old days. And Dallas has a good quarterback, a great running back, a great receiver, and a great offensive line. It all starts with Dallas with Ezekiel Elliott. The indomitable running back, fourth overall pick, NFL rushing champion by, oh, 300 yards. Go back to that Week 6 game. Through four games, the Packers had allowed a grand total of 171 rushing yards and 1.99 yards per carry. Dallas came in with Elliott. It was a great matchup. Who's going to win? Elliott, 157 yards, averaged 5.61 yards per carry, and Dallas as a team ran for more than 190. So Dallas in one game, Eclipso Green Bay had given up in the first four. Elliott ran all over the Packers, and he leads a Dallas rushing attack that ranks second in the NFL with 150 rushing yards per game. That's like 30 yards more than any other team in the 12 team field. Elliott is big, he's fast, he is a natural runner, he is the whole package. Heck, the guy caught 30 passes too. There's nothing he can't do, he's a workhorse. He didn't play the week uh, six, or week 17 game against the Eagles. He got that off for rest. In 12 of the other 15 games, he had 20-plus carries, including 28 against the Packers. So he gets the ball a lot. He wears teams down, and he's a big play waiting to happen. And Whether it's carry number one or carry number 20, he's a threat to go the distance. He is the best young running back this league has seen in a long while. Of course, it helps to run behind that line, right? Left tackle Tyron Smith a, a going to the Pro Bowl. Center Travis Frederick going to the Pro Bowl. Right guard Zach Martin going to the Pro Bowl. And that's not bad enough if you're looking long-term. Smith is 26. Martin is 26. Frederick is 25. So they're great linemen, and they're in their prime. The right tackle, Doug Free. If you're from Wisconsin, this means something to you. You're in the United of Manitowoc. I was looking at the uh, stats in the NFL's media stats site this morning. When Dallas needs to run the ball, it is to the right side behind Martin and Free. Dallas averages, you know, high threes, low fours to the left between you know left guard, left tackle. You know, they're high fours, low fives to the right side. It is a great right side running attack. With such a running attack. And I'm trying not to, and I, you know, I had that pause there. I'm thinking, well, how am I going to say this without making, without, you know, kind of bagging on Prescott? But he's had, he's had a really easy rookie season as far as rookie quarterbacks go. Prescott taken in the fourth round. I Meanders mean, Camp just trying to make win a winner roster spot. And then Tony Romo gets hurt. And then the other guy gets hurt. And then all of a sudden, where's Dallas turn? Well, they turn to Dak Prescott, the fourth round pick from Mississippi State. He's been unbelievably good. 67.8% completion percentage, 23 touchdowns, four interceptions, a 104.9 passer rating. Unbelievable. And the efficiency here is shown A, in that completion percentage, and then B, they are fifth in, in, in passing yards, or excuse me, fifth in yards per passing play. And that includes with sacks in there. But it's a very efficient passing attack. And look, this isn't rocket science, right? When you got a team that's going to run the is going to run the ball and they're damn good at running the ball, you have to play defense to take away the run and to stop the run. Well, no one's taking away Elliott to begin with, but it certainly frees things up. When you, you know it's safer, Green Bay. Morgan Burnett goes to the line of scrimmage as an extra run defender. Well, now you're taking a secondary with one less guy, and they certainly have the guys to win. And, and you know, moreover, if your running game is going. You the, the play action game works. The bootlegs work. It just opens up your whole playbook, and that's why I mean that Prescott has had an easy season because he's had to. He's got to rely on Elliott, and he's going. He's gone up against you know shorthanded secondaries because of it. It's not. A, it's not a a critique on Prescott. It's just kind of the reality of it. I asked uh, Coach Jason Garrett in our conference call about Prescott. Garrett, of course, a former quarterback. He certainly played as well as any rookie I've ever seen, and he just does such a good job of helping our team win games. Statistics are one thing, but when you watch a guy and you see how he contributes in so many different ways to helping our football team win, that's really the measure of it. He does such a good job of getting the different players involved and running the offense. He executes very well within the offense, and when things break down, he's able to make plays, get us out of trouble, or make a play out of the pocket. He just has some very natural leadership skills that I think our team is drawn to as well. He's got a lot of weapons, too. Obviously, Des Bryant would be the equivalent of Michael Irvin in that earlier um, 1990s comparison. Not a great year for, for Bryant. Missed a few games with injury. And really, he really isn't the guy. He's kind of just one of the guys in this offense. Uh, Bryant, of course, didn't play the Week 6 game against Green Bay. 50 catches, 796 yards, 8 touchdowns. A team best 15.9 yards per catch. The other big play threat, Terrence Williams. 44 for 594, a 13.5 average, and 4 touchdowns. He had a 40, I think it's 40, might have been 44 yards against Green Bay right before halftime on that killer 97-yard touchdown drive. So when you got a guy like Elliott and you can go play action, That opens up big plays in the passing game, and that's Williams, and that's Bryant. The number one receiver, based on catches, is their slot man, Cole Beasley. 75 catches, 833 yards, 5 touchdowns. He scored twice against Green Bay back in Week 6. Then, of course, there's Jason Wenton, who's like 1,000 years old. 14th season, 69 catches. Not much of a threat. 673 yards, but if it's 3rd and eight. He's going to get you nine. He's a terrific player. got a great feel for how to get open, even with his diminished athletic ability. He really catches everything. The Packers did a really good job against him in the first matchup. So that's the Dallas offense. Really good quarterback who's ruthlessly efficient. Great running back. Great offensive line. Efficient tight end. Big play receivers. No challenge there, right? So Green Bay's defense, which... Really got run off the field by these guys in that first matchup, 30 to 16, but really had no answers. They're playing better, but they're on the road and they're going to face a big, big challenge against those guys on Sunday. Third down, and then is Dallas' special teams. A good group, not a great group. You know, they don't do anything super well, they just do everything at a pretty high level. When I did my Packer Report special teams rankings, they finished in the top 10. Which is kinda of, I'm trying to figure out where they do it. You know, Lucky Whitehead is the returner. 23.2 yards per kickoff return, 7.8 yards per punt return. You know, he's just he's a really good returner though, and teams have kind of kicked at him accordingly. You know, more some pop-up kicks off pop-up kickoffs and you know, directional punts to try to keep him under wraps. The punter Chris Jones, big leg there, 45.9 yards per punt, 40.5 of net. Kicker is Dan Bailey. I think he's past the back problem that caused him some troubles early in the year. He finished the year 27 of 32 on field goals. He's made 19 in a row from inside of 50. Strong leg. He made a 56-yarder back in week one. So their punter and kicker are really, really good. Coverage, coverage units are led by Byron Jones. They're starting safety. He's got 10 tackles. So pretty good special teams there. But like I mentioned, this is going to be like probably four weeks in a row mentioning this. Green Bay special teams are really, really good of late. Really hit their stride during this winning streak. I hit on this in the Tuesday podcast. On paper last week, Brad Wing against Jacob Shum, a big punting advantage for the Giants. In reality, in the net punting battle, Shum outkicked Wing by an average of 8.5 yards. And on kickoffs, Green Bay won the field position by an average of 9 yards. So Green Bay really did a great job last week. Kicker Mason Crosby, of course, has made an NFL record 21 consecutive field goals. So when you're facing a team like Dallas, which has a great offense, a defense is going to keep you from scoring touchdowns. You have to play good special teams. I mean, you you can't possibly lose this matchup and expect to win the game. This is going to be a big challenge for Green Bay special teams, but you know what? I think they're up to the task. You know, Micah Hyde is is really you know, you go back to 2014 where Hyde had two touchdowns on power returns. He seems like he's getting back to that. He's been pretty efficient on returns. He had a 20-yarder last week. Tends to make the first guy miss. Um Jeff Janis broke a nice kickoff return last week. He missed practice on Wednesday with a thigh injury. So it'd be you know it'd be key to get him back. Or or Montgomery or Michael's gotta done a couple things, but you know, if you can. Get a good return if you can keep their guys in check. That would that certainly would help. And the challenge of pulling off this upside on Sunday. And that takes us to the fourth down. Just a couple odds and ends here, real quick. First, the injury report from yesterday. Green Bay, five guys did not practice, including Jeff Janis with that thigh injury. The others, of course, Jordy Nelson with the broken ribs. Outside linebacker Julius Peppers for rest, like he always rests on Wednesday. Running back James Serks has been out for forever with that concussion from a car accident. And center JC Treader with a knee. Uh, limited guys who were limited. Cornerback Quinton Rollins, the noteworthy one there, actually the only one there. He had that concussion against Detroit back in week 17. He practiced yesterday. Be nice to get him back. And everybody else full, including receiver Randall Cobb with the ankle, guard TJ Lang with the foot, inside linebacker Blake Martinez knee. Outside linebacker Clay Matthews' shoulder. And Joe Thomas, of note, is off the injury report. He's been so at that back injury. Thomas has been really good, but in a run first game, I, I, I would think it's going to be a Jake Ryan Blake Martinez game at linebacker. We'll see. I think you want to go with the bigger guys. Dallas' injury report much better as you would expect after not playing their guys a whole lot in week 17 and then getting the bye last week. All these guys are limited. And that includes, they had seven guys limited, including starting quarter Morris Claiborne with the groin, starting defensive end Tyron Crawford's shoulder, um, starting defensive end, well, I see he's second team now, but uh, their leading pass rusher last year, Demarcus Lawrence back, um, and left tackle Tyron Smith ankle, or excuse me, Tyron Smith with the knee. All those guys are limited, and, and I would think Dallas will have all hands on deck for Sunday. You know, I mentioned the bye week here today. I mentioned it yesterday as well. So did Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers has asked at his locker yesterday, "What gives him confidence? The Packers can beat the Cowboys this time after losing by two touchdowns last game, getting thoroughly outplayed." Rodgers said, "I think it's the way that we've been playing lately. We've won seven in a row. We come in with a lot of confidence. They didn't play a lot of strutters in the finale against Philadelphia. They were off this last week, and they're hosting the game." So there's extra pressure on them as the number one seed to win. And we're coming with a lot of confidence of riding the streak. We're feeling good about the game, about the way we've been playing. A little historical nugget because it's the kind of junk that I like. So the NFL went to a 12-team playoff format back in 1990. The number one seeds, which of course was that's what Dallas is, 22 and four in the divisional round. And that's the challenge. That Green Bay faces, of course, the Packers are one of those teams to have lost, having lost to the Giants back in 2011. But Green Bay also one of the teams that won back in the 2010 playoffs. They went to the top seed in Atlanta and rolled 48 to 21. So history not on Green Bay's side in that. But of course, on the AFC side, though, the number one seed just 16 and 10. So combined in those in the last. Uh, 26 playoffs. The home team in this in the number one versus number four game, or excuse me, the number one seed, 38 and 14. So a challenge for Green Bay from a historical perspective, but certainly not an undoable one. And finally, um, online bookmaker Bovada sent me some odds yesterday. Thought I passed a couple of these on Dallas, a four-point favorite on Sunday. But at least in the eyes of the betting public, this might be the NFC championship game. The current odds to win, Super Bowl 51, New England nine to five, Dallas nine to two, Green Bay 11 to 2. So as far as odds to win the Super Bowl, Dallas and Green Bay lead the way in the NFC, which means that this is these guys are the favorites in the NFC. And if you want a Hail Mary of sorts on stats, there's a prop here. Rodgers, of course, has thrown four touchdowns, no interceptions the last three weeks. Can he do it a fourth consecutive week? He's ten to one to do so, and that will get you. Uh, I think it's. I believe it means if it's a hundred dollar bet, you win a thousand. So, um, that's the odds. I, I, I probably would say he probably will not do that. But the uh, Rogers is also the favorite to win. the Favorite to win. The favorite to throw the most passing yards this week. He's a 3-1 to favorite to lead the playoff crew in passing yards this weekend. And that will do it for this episode of Locked On Packers. Thank you as always for listening. Be sure to check back tomorrow for the Locked On Behind Enemy Lines podcast with my colleague from down in Dallas, Drew Davison of the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. Thank you for listening. Have a great day. And I will talk to you tomorrow. The list.